God of love and God of mercy, may only your words be spoken. May only your words be heard. Amen. I wonder, could the world be about to turn? Few plot points in movies and plays get me emotionally like those in which the persecuted stand up and say for themselves, no. The strength and the courage they show that comes from their desperation and their hope connects to something deep in the core of my soul. This past week, I went to go see the movie Harriet, based on the story of Harriet Tubman and her heroic work as a conductor on the Underground Railroad. This movie was full of moments of fierce desperation and amazing hope. When Harriet, for fear of being sold, decides to run off the plantation on her own, dogs and guns mere feet behind her. When she, who was born Araminta Rose and called Minty on the plantation, claims her new name, her free name, Harriet Tubman. When the Fugitive Slaves Act is passed and escaped slaves in free states are no longer safe, the conductors of the Underground Railroad meet to discuss the end of their work as they knew it. Moving slaves on foot to freedom in Canada was a 600-mile journey no one thought possible. Their only hope now, they thought, was to wait for civil war to settle the matter for them. In this meeting, Harriet snaps, and she says no. She says, quote, I ain't giving up rescuing slaves because it's far. Many of you don't know slavery firsthand. You were born free, or maybe you've been free so long you forget what it's like. You got comfortable and you got important. You got beautiful homes and beautiful wives. But I remember trying not to think of what a day that they went through, what those still enslaved are going through right now. I have heard their groans and sighs, and I have seen their tears, and I would give every drop of blood in my veins to free them. So I am not giving up. I'm going to do whatever I got to do, go wherever I got to go, however I got to do it, to rescue as many slaves as possible, till this beast this monster called slavery is slain dead. Heroic strength and courage, born of deep desperation and abiding hope. In this morning's gospel, Jesus, walking with his followers, 
knows desperation. And he knows hope. In this moment, however, it seems his followers have forgotten, or they've grown complacent, or maybe they've just given up. In the midst of Jesus' urgent work to reconcile the world to God, his followers stop to appreciate the glory of the temple as it now stands around them. What an amazing architectural feat. What a sign that their God is back on top. What a testament to the glory of the status quo. What proof that they have arrived and all is now right in the world. Who needs to be desperate when your temple looks so pretty? Who needs to hope when what you have been hoping for soars around you in exquisite detail. Jesus knows what the prophet Malachi predicted. See, Malachi says, the day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing with healing in its wings. Malachi knew it. Jesus knew it. Harriet knew it. But do you know it? I mean, right here, right now, this morning, at St. Paul's, is the sin-sick nature of this world propelling you out into it, into the very thick of it, to do the work of God, to bring about the dream of God for the world that it might be made known? Or do you think it's just not possible? Or are you worn out, worn down, frustrated that the closer we seem to get to God's justice, the stronger the forces that rebel against God seem to get? Or maybe the temple looks pretty darn good from where you stand. Maybe the cries of the oppressed in this world are hard to hear with our earbuds plugged in. No matter what forces of evil you are battling, whether it is the global sin of income disparity and hunger, our national sin of racism, or personal wars of addiction or depression, no matter your battle, we know that things will always get worse before they get better. We know, right, that power is not given up by those with power without fierce resistance. And we know that the way things have always been can be an uncomfortable for some, but predictable balm for many against the unknown future hope for which God has made us. Have we forgotten? Have we gotten too comfortable? We all have our pretty temples in our lives that distract us and tempt us to turn away from the brutal reality of others' lives or of our own. Did the glory of marriage equality 
make the world a safer place for transgender women of color? Did the splendor of the election of our nation's first black president heal the centuries-old sin of racism in this country? Did the advent of the Me Too movement give women economic parity? Did it give them safety from human trafficking? Or, or maybe the current state of affairs in this world makes it seem to you like the task in front of us, bringing about the very dream of God in this world, is simply impossible. And it just seems to get harder every day, like a hundred-mile escape on foot turning to a 600-mile journey through the wilderness. What do we do? Do we, like the committed abolitionists of Harriet's day, simply wait for some kind of war, some kind of outside force, wait for someone else to solve the problems in this world? Well now, how has that worked out for us in the past? And do we wait for some kind of epic battle to end the deep pain in our families? I wonder. How does that end? Do we wait for a war to solve for us the battle that rages in our hearts? And how many victims of those wars do we have to bury before we're convinced it's too many? How many guns are going to be enough? How many overdoses? How many suicides? Maybe it's time for us to stop running. Maybe it's time to turn and to look again at whatever monsters are chasing us and say, no. The season of Advent is, or at least I think it can be, about so much more than getting ready for Christmas. It is, or it could be, about getting ready for Christ. It can be a time to invite Jesus into our lives. Time to take an inventory of where we are headed and what, where our focus of our lives is. And to say, no. Time to say that we will not give up simply because the work in front of us is hard. We will not give up simply because it looks pretty good from where we sit. Advent is a time to turn from the forces that chase us, the voices that tell us to give up, to face again in front of us the future for which God intends us. It is a time to turn away from the ways that we numb ourselves to the pain in this world, to the pain in our lives, while we wait for someone else to heal it. It is a time to remember again that we are not to be wearied in doing what is right just because doing what is right is hard or scary or because the results can often be generations in the coming. As Jesus asks his followers to turn from the distraction of the temple, Jesus asks us to turn and to look at him again. Seek him again. Follow him again. Don't be distracted or complacent or hopeless, but turn and 
face the brokenness in this world head on because that's exactly where Jesus waits for us. That is where Christ will be born for us. That is where God will break into our world, will break into our lives and will rise like the sun of righteousness with healing on its wings. My friends, hear the words of the prophet Harriet. I have heard their groans and sighs, I have seen their tears, and I would give every drop of blood in my veins to free them. So I ain't giving up. I'm going to do whatever I got to do, go wherever I got to go, however I got to do it. Don't give up. Do whatever you have to do. Go wherever you've got to go. You've got to do it. Stop running. Turn around. Get desperate. Claim hope. Don't let anyone tell you the limits of what you can do. And most of all, rise. Rise like the sun of righteousness bearing healing on your wings. Then the world will be about to turn.